Okay. Hey guys, we are trying out a new way of um, broadcasting our signal. So um, I wanted to start a few minutes early and try that out. Let's make sure that everything was running correctly. So we've had some weird things going on lately that um, where the feed inter gets interrupted. I don't know why that's happening. So we're switching um, same software, just a different way of getting it out there. So we're going to try this and see if it works any better. And if not, we'll fall back and punt and do something else. Um, but uh, I'm just going to try to play with it for a second. So you got four, five, six minutes to get in and just kind of say hi and we'll hang out and wait. Should I be seeing you on one of these? Oh, there you are. Should be seeing there you. you are. Play with it for a second. Whoa. So you got yes. four, five, yes. six minutes uh -huh. to get in. So it's working. And just kind of right. say hi. This. I'll share my screen. Should I be seeing you on one of these? Oh, there you are. There you are. Whoa. I can't. I can't shut you up. Right. There it is. Okay. Okay. So now when I play the video, you should see it come through. I even got text. Uh, see text on the screen somehow. Yeah, because I'm sharing my screen. Um, let's see. I don't know why it's not playing though. That's troublesome. <clears throat> and go and go. Hmm. Let's get out of that little part and restart it. <clears throat> Are you still watching it? Mm -hmm. Is it caught up yet? Yeah, there I am. Go away. Commercial. Okay, there's that. It has like a five second delay. So there's that. Um, I need to do screen share. That share. All right. Any second now, it should come on. You should be able to see the video. Maybe not hear it though, because I can't hear it. Oh, it's because it's in the. It's got the, the, the audio thing. Audio yeah. jack. Wonder if you can. You shouldn't be able to hear it. I can turn. Well, it wouldn't be the same. I can. I can. I can. I have to wait until the screen comes up. Until yeah. he comes up. Yeah, and you're not. It's not up yet. I can. I can. I can. I can. Where are we at? Now. Yeah. Short of this, can we just move the table? back a little bit yeah and then maybe the two of us slide around yeah and just show it through that camera yeah yeah this auto work it may not work with the microphones which will be okay because i can just unplug the microphone and then plug it back in when we right. need it in fact we should not need the microphones being this close to the yeah but some people have trouble hearing 
microphone seemed to work well for that True. so far. So True. Still no video of him. Man. No, you're still alive. I'm not, I'm not frozen. Our words are coming through live. Let's see. Oh, huh. There we go. I forgot to share the screen to take it live. Give it another few seconds and it should come up. Aha! Okay. But you can't hear them, right? Uh, let's see. I've got, I think I had you. Come up. Can't hear Okay. But you can't hear them, right? Uh, let's yeah, see. Yeah, you I've can't got... hear him. Let's see what do you hear him now? There have been some awful things done in the name of religion because they didn't understand the nature scientifically of what they were dealing with. There were people, for example, that believed that blood was something that was intrinsically evil because they didn't understand the nature of blood they thought it was that draining blood would make you healthy we we have made the point that barbers in the united states were were Right. I think I got that. And when we are ready to see you and I. Well, hold on. Let me figure out this other thing real quick. I can do this. Picture in picture. Huh. That's neat. Okay. And then do. Oh, hold on. Let's see. Picture in picture. I want to do that. How do I do picture? Invite guests. Play local video settings. Hmm. I'm not frozen, I'm thinking. <laughs> All right, we may have to just do it without. Well, no, we can do the intro. I'll just, I'll plug this back in and you can do that. I'll unplug it when we play the video. All right. Let me know how this works, guys. I think I've, I think I've got it. <clears throat> So, all right, all right. We should be live and they should be able to hear you. Okay, we are going to begin and we're going to cross our fingers that uh, this, this works today. We're trying out some new things uh, to try to correct maybe some issues that we've had in the past. The uh, lesson today is the wisdom of creation. And he starts out talking about how God worked in the creation. And uh, I'm going to encourage you to open your minds a little bit this morning. He's going to stretch them. Um, and he's going to uh, suggest to us that, that there are two words, bara and asa, in the Genesis account, 
And he's going to explain to you the difference between those two, that God did some creating and he did some making. And he contends that with those two Hebrew words, those are two different kinds of actions. And so in doing this, he talks about God not as a magician, at least throughout the uh, creation episode, that he didn't zap things into existence all the way through the creation episode, but that he may have zapped some and performed things to happen all at once that only God can do, and others, he took some time and formed them or shaped things. Now, if that hasn't confused you, or if it has confused you, then ignore everything I've said so far and just watch the video. The Wisdom of the Creation, John Clayton. All right, All right let's see if I can get it up. Sorry, next week maybe it'll be more seamless. Take this out. Yeah. This video series, program number 23. This particular lesson is a little bit different. It's sort of a concluding lesson in some ways to what we've done earlier. But I think the question has to be asked about, is this valid? Should we be doing this? I have two opponents in this discussion that I find say no. One is the atheist who says, you're not doing science. That's not valid. You can't do that. I want, you to, I want to hear you talk about science and God. Those are anathema to each other. Those are completely independent and unrelated things, and you can't tie them together. And my response to that is, well, if you took that position, you couldn't apply science to anything. I tried to make the point when we talked about intelligent design that intelligent design is not a method of doing science. Intelligent design is an apologetic. It has to do with what our understanding is about how things came to be as they are. An intelligent design might oppose naturalism, but it's important to understand that science is used in many ways to help us in cosmetics, to help us build better fishing tackle, and engineering and all of the things that we do, including some of the things that have to do with how we take care of our bodies. These are applications of science. And what I want to do in this discussion is to show you a connection between what we understand about how the creation came about and science as a whole. The other group of people that oppose this are preachers. 
is preachers who will say, well, those scientists, they're over there by themselves. And, and you know, they're, they're just guessing and, and they really aren't relevant. What's really relevant is what I do. Example, but I think it is a relevant example. 
The heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies proclaim the work of his hand. Psalms 19, the work of his hand. It isn't saying to us that God magically produced it. It involves the work of his hand. I've made reference to Romans 1, beginning with verse 19, where the Bible specifically says we can know there is a God through the things he has made. Now, if it's a magician, we're not going to be able to do that. If we see his handiwork, if we, we know he has made them, then we have a way of understanding and seeing his wisdom, his intelligence, his purpose. In Isaiah 45, verse 18, he who fashioned and made the earth. When you fashion something, you do it by a process that involves creativity, intelligence, purpose. Somebody who designs clothes or somebody who designs houses, an architect, an engineer, uses intelligence to do it. He not only says that, but he says he did not create it to be empty, but formed it to be inhabited. That implies that there was intelligence and purpose used to produce the creation as we see it. God does not call man to blind acceptance. And the eighth proverb specifically makes reference to this process. It deals directly with God's message. The first thing it says is that wisdom is involved. In the first verse, does not wisdom call out, does not understanding raise her voice. In the fourth verse, to you, O man, I call out. This is wisdom speaking now. Wisdom is saying, I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, gain understanding. Wisdom says to us, you can learn. You can understand. You can actually come to a realization of the methods that were involved in the process that produced the creation as we see it. So we begin in verse 22 of the eighth proverb with a statement that indicates that something went on before the beginning of time. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, before his deeds of old. The Lord possessed me, wisdom speaking. The Lord had wisdom. Wisdom is going to be involved in the process. The suggestion is that it is a building stone of everything that was created. This is carried throughout scriptures. In John 17, verse 24, you love me before the creation of the world. So there were things that were in place before the creation took place. In Ephesians 1 and verse 4, he chose us in him before the creation of the world. That God had a people that would have a certain set of characteristics that he had selected, not selected the people individually, but had selected the criteria before the creation of the world. In 1 Peter 1 and verse 20, he was chosen before the creation of the world, referring in this situation the plan that God had for the redemption of man. In 2 Timothy 1 and verse 9, this grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. The Christian system is not an afterthought. It's not something that God did after something didn't work, as I've heard some people suggest. The Bible says loud and clear there was a plan, there was wisdom, there was purpose, intelligence, Promised before the beginning of time, Titus 1 and verse 2. In Proverbs 8 and verse 23, there's again this reference to the creation itself and wisdom being involved. I was appointed from eternity from the beginning 
before the world began. There's a statement here that says to us that there was something that existed before time existed. I was appointed from eternity, from the beginning, before the world began. So there was wisdom and purpose and intelligence before the physical creation. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what quantum mechanics is about. Quantum mechanics is understanding the conditions, the wisdom, the intelligence, the purpose that was involved in the production of time, of space, of matter, energy, of all of the things that were to make up the physical world. Proverbs says this was present before the world began. Then it starts talking specifically about things that were a part of the creation. When there were no oceans, I was given birth. When there were no springs abounding in water. It's important to understand that before you can have water, there are certain conditions that have to be present. Scientifically, we know that the temperature has to be between zero and 100 degrees Celsius, or between 32 and 212 Fahrenheit. There has to be a, a condition that would allow water to exist as a liquid. You can't have oceans without that. It is important that the mass of the Earth be large enough to keep the water molecules from escaping. The escape velocity of atoms and molecules is such that if you don't have a large enough mass, they will escape from the surface. The reason that the moon does not have any atmosphere is because it doesn't have enough gravity to hold the molecules of the atmosphere present. So the indication is that there was wisdom involved in selecting those criteria. Wisdom was there before there were oceans. It's also important to realize that the very firmament itself, the matter, the rocks, the dirt, the dust, all of the things that were present also had to be plants. There had to be wisdom involved in their selection. So in the 25th proverb, a verse of Proverbs 8, before the mountains settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Notice the progression here. Notice the sequence that is involved. Before he made the earth and its fields or any of the dust of the earth, in verse 26, in order to have dust, you have to have already had the mountains. We will talk a little bit later on about what is known as the rock cycle and the fact that all of our sand, all of our topsoil had its root in the fundamental material of which the earth was made. So the sequence is perfect here. Wisdom was involved. Intelligence was involved in its purpose, in its creation. I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the foundations of the deep, Proverbs 8, 27 and 28. You can't have an atmosphere until you have the things that will build that atmosphere. The oceans are a part of that. To have clouds, you have to have water. You have to have condensation nuclei. You have to have the right temperatures. These are things that we know now were necessary for the process. There is wisdom involved in selecting those things. It took man thousands of years just for the simple question of understanding how rain is produced, how water can exist on the surface of the earth. Wisdom is involved. There's intelligence. There's purpose involved. When he gave the sea its boundaries so the waters would not overstep his command, when he marked out the foundations of the land, the production of the continents has been a long time in coming. 
the rock that makes up the continents is not the same as the rock on the floor of the ocean in general. We're dealing with very different kinds of rock, sedimentary rock, metamorphic rock, things that formed the shorelines, things that were in place to allow water to be contained in lakes, in rivers, and in oceans. The sequence, again, is perfect. Then I was the craftsman at his side. Notice, wisdom is involved and describes itself as a craftsman, as part of the process in which the creation was taking place. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world, and delighting in mankind. The beauty of the creation, the beauty of life, the sequence given suggests that wisdom is involved in the entire process of the creation of the planet and of man to live on the planet. May I point out to you that the biblical words used to describe God's actions are process words. They're not zapped words. <laughs> and I know that's a, that's a Clayton phrase, but it's not talking about God miraculously as a magician putting something into existence. Notice Genesis 2 and verse 7. The Lord God formed man of the dust of the earth. The Hebrew word used here for form man is normally used in reference to something a potter would do. A potter forms a vase, a water pot, a statue. Yachur. That's a process. That's something that involves creativity. It's something that involves wisdom, intelligence, purpose. In Genesis 2 and verse 8, God had planted a garden. It doesn't say God zapped a garden. It says he planted a garden. Planting involves wisdom. A farmer just doesn't go out and go like that and have a field of corn. He has to plant it. He has to plant it. He has to use wisdom to get a crop. And God did that in the production of the garden. Notice in verse 9. The Lord made all kinds of trees. Not that he zapped all kinds of trees. He made all kinds of trees. It's interesting to me that even today, we understand only a very small percentage of what plants can actually do for us. The study of plants and the wonderful things that they can provide. Well, we've even discovered a tree in South America that can essentially produce diesel fuel. And this is an example of the wisdom and design built into the creation around us. It's also interesting that on the cosmological level, the words used, again, do not indicate a zapping. In the Hebrew language, there's a Hebrew word, N-A-T-A-H, which means to stretch out. It's sort of like pulling a cord on a lawnmower or an outboard motor. And it's used in the Bible to talk about the cosmos. He stretched out the heavens like a curtain. The indication is that this was a process a careful engineered process. And that word is used in Isaiah, in Psalms, in Jeremiah, in Zechariah, in Job, over and over and over. The word is used to indicate a process on a cosmological level. At the end of the Genesis account, Genesis 2 and verse 3 describes two things that God did in the process of the creation. The first thing he says is, these are the things which the Lord God created. The Hebrew word used here is a word bara, B-A-R-A. We'll talk about that word a lot because the word is very specific in its meaning. The word refers only to something God can do, never to something man can do. 
The indication is that this was a process that God used unique to God. When we talk about the Big Bang, one of the things we made the point about was that the Big Bang doesn't tell us what bang or who banged it. The process used was something unique to God, not a process man could do. And whether the Big Bang is accepted in whatever version you understand it to be or not, the fact of the matter is that the process involved was a God process. And there are many areas that science cannot give answers to. The creation of time, the creation of space. We know something about dimensions. We have interesting theories that suggest how these universe constructions might have taken place. But those will probably always remain as conjectures, something that is unique to an intelligence far beyond our own. But then it uses the other word. He not only created, but he made these are the things which the Lord God created and made. The Hebrew word asah, A-S-A-H, is used through most of the Genesis account. When we talk about evolution in the later programs in this series, we'll get into that in specific detail. But when you make something, you form it. You take something which has already been created and you mold it, you shape it, you form it into a finished product. That's kind of interesting. That when all these things are described in the Bible, these two words are not used interchangeably. They specifically refer to things that involve a process. So God created man in his own image. We'll see that the word used there is bara, a word that refers to our spiritual makeup. And that's not something that man can duplicate. It's not something that can be experimented with. That is a unique characteristic of man. But then it goes on and it says, he formed man, Yahshua, of the dust of the earth. The material of which the dirt is made is the same stuff I'm made of. The whole field of medicine involves knowing how to take the wisdom built into my body and do some making to repair things that have been damaged. So I can repair, I can fix physical things in my body. Fixing spiritual things is a whole different avenue. You cannot do an injection. You cannot do some type of manipulation to change the spiritual quality. Yatsuri indicates a process of intelligence and purpose. Bara indicates an act peculiar to God. But I submit to you in these discussions, what we are doing is looking at how science can help us in our understanding. How from science we can know the methods that God has used. When I first started teaching in 1959, the head of the department, who turned out later to be a good friend of mine, came to me before I started teaching and said, I want to tell you something that's going to happen. You're going to have religious people that are going to come and going to object to being forced to take science. And here's what I suggest you tell them. You tell them that science is simply a way of understanding what God has done. And I think that's a valid explanation. Religious people should not object to science if it is taught as science. Religious people should have no quarrel with students taking biology and chemistry and physics and astronomy and on and on. Because we are simply understanding what God has done. We have seen the wisdom of God. And the wisdom literature of Proverbs calls us to understand, to increase in our wisdom. 
Well, let me suggest to you that the principle we have discussed here goes beyond knowing there is a God, knowing the Bible is his word. It also has to do with God's plan to redeem man. And this discussion is purely theological, but I think it's important to understand that once again, God's plan of salvation is not a magic plan, but it's something that makes sense. We are told in the Bible that we need to believe that an important part of being redeemed to God, an important part of developing a spiritual makeup involves belief. Acts 10 and verse 43, whosoever believes shall receive the remission of sins. If you don't believe in God, how are you going to find a way of using your religious faith to make things happen, to change your life? Well, belief is pretty fundamental. If we believe that God wants us to be drawn to him, if, he believe, if we believe that God wants us to improve our lives, belief in God is important. The reason we offer this series of video programs is to help people understand a different way, perhaps, of building their faith, of building their belief. And if you don't have belief, if you deny the existence of God, if you're an atheist, my hope is that in the process of discussing this, you've seen some avenues that are a little bit different than what you've been exposed to in the past. And that perhaps it will help you in realizing there is a logical reason to have faith. That people can intelligently and logically and rationally believe in God. That you don't put your brain in a tan can to be a Christian. You can intelligently believe and that's important to do. It's important to repent. In Romans, the sixth chapter, beginning with verse three and going through verse seven, we're told that we need to die to sin and that we are called to repentance. How valuable is the Christian life if I don't turn away from the destructive life I lived before? Repentance is important. Romans six makes it clear that repentance is a critical part of changing the way we live. And again, it is wise for us to engage in that process. We don't obey God to become part of a country club. We don't obey God because it's something nice to do. There are no social reasons to believe in God. But turning away from selfishness, turning away from using people, turning away from violence, turning away from the destructive things that are happening in our society and which perhaps we have been a part of, is important. The Bible tells us that God is aware that in the past some of us have been, and there's list after list after list of things that people do that are wrong. But now we are justified. We are cleansed. The idea is that when we reject those things, that God will help us become a new person. And Romans 6 dedicates itself to newness. It's also important to understand that we need to be able to credit the source of our change. In Romans 10 and verse 10, we're told confession is made to salvation. How can I be effective in communicating why I am different if I don't let people know what the source of that force is? Confession is not telling every sin I ever committed. In the first place, I couldn't do that. In the second place, that's not the idea. The confession is the idea of confessing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, confessing that I need to change my life, that I need to repent. 
and then to be baptized. In Acts 2 and verse 38, when people on the day of Pentecost asked what they needed to do to be saved, the Apostle Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. You know, I've done a lot of prison work. I've been privileged to work with men and women, some even on death row. Many times in the process of our study, they have come to an understanding of these things about which we're talking and the importance of them being baptized and of washing away their sins. And one of the things that is so amazing about that is that when someone is baptized, they come forth a new creature, a different creature. I lived a very destructive life when I didn't believe in God. I believed in survival of the fittest, and later in our series, I'll tell you all of the dirty details of that story. But when I was baptized, to be able to come forth and make a fresh start, to begin again, to start anew with a new source of power and with a new determination, that's the most incredible thing I can imagine. It makes sense. It's beautiful. Becoming a Christian is not something you do emotionally. It's not something that you do on the spur of the moment. It's not something that you are stampeded into by someone who manipulates you psychologically. The biblical concept is that we will go through a process where we turn away from a destructive, meaningless, purposeless, directionless life and turn to a life that has value and function and purpose and use. And so we will live the Christian life. In the book of Ephesians, the fifth and sixth chapter, we read a long discussion about how Christianity can be lived successfully. Now, I don't think anybody would deny the wisdom of loving others, of caring for others, of being useful to others, of promoting peace, understanding. And these are the teachings of Jesus Christ. Let me encourage you. Read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Read Ephesians 5 and 6. And ask yourself, is there any improvement I can make on that? What kind of a world would it be if every human being on this planet followed those principles? But those principles are not magic. They're wise. Why would you deny wisdom? There is a purpose in what we are doing here. And I hope these discussions are making sense to you, whether you're an atheist or whether you're a believer. And that you're finding some things that may help you and encourage you and strengthen you to live a more successful and a more productive life. Take that off. Pull this back in. All right. See if we can hear. Yeah, I can hear. All right. I kind of feel like Forrest Gump when we watch these movies. <laughs> I'm not a smart man. <laughs> I tell you what, um, I, I said uh, during your introduction that, uh, if you know, open your minds. If you're if your uh, intellect, if your uh, current uh, wisdom, if your current understanding of, of the scriptures, um, hasn't been pushed a little bit by these first 21, 22 uh, lessons, um, get ready. 
because uh, he will take some of the things that he talked about in this lesson and expand on those uh, a, a little bit later. Um, and, and believe me, it will help you if you go into this uh, without um, preconceived notions, without um, a, a desperate clinging to thinking about things the way you have always thought about them. Today, uh, for example, he says, um, so God used science in the creation. Now, that's a new concept. Um, my understanding uh, prior to these, these lessons um, and built across and reinforced from the pulpit and, and in numerous uh, situations is that, you know, God created everything out of nothing. And if you want to say that's the way it began, you, 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 you would be safe in saying that. But as he goes into his explanation of the two words, bara, which only God can do, and asa, which means that there was a manipulation in, in, uh, in the process there, and Asa is, is used not that man can do what God did, but man can Asa. He can, he can, he can make things well, with his hands. And he points out that this is not an incidental um, distinction. He says these words are not used interchangeably in Scripture. And it says that he... Barad and he Assad. It didn't say parenthetically and he Assad and means he did both. And both of them were there and both of them were present. I'm not going to try to get into uh, the details of what he may get into later on that. I'll let him make his own argument. Um, and I will also say, um, what you may encounter in his argument, you may reject totally and say, no, I like the way I'm thinking about the creation and uh, I've always thought about the creation and will go forward with, with my traditional approach. Um, what he does here, though, is, is interesting. I don't think he says that God used science necessarily to create, to, 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 uh, to make the creation. But he, I think he initiated science in that process. I think he wanted us to, as, as uh, Clayton has pointed out time and again, he wants us to have confidence in Scripture. And when you say that science and the Bible cannot exist in the same room or they do not support one another, then something happens up here and we have to switch off one of those if we're going to accept the other. And I think when you create this, that, uh, that artificial dichotomy, that, that uh, distinction where those two cannot exist, then it makes total sense to shut one off and accept the other. And what many people have done is it's easier to accept what I see and know around me 
than this book over here that was written supposedly centuries ago. Um, but he contends that when God went through the process of forming things and when and he uses uh, Proverbs 8, and I had never, never studied that, that uh, passage before, he personifies wisdom. He takes wisdom and uh, I think, uh, uh, is it Song of Solomon that does that also? Uh, or is it some just some of uh, some of Proverbs yeah, that lots of the wisdom literature comes in and personifies yeah. wisdom as a woman? And, right. Wisdom as one. That's what I was thinking. So he he takes some of the various aspects of creation and says wisdom was there. Wisdom was something that influenced those things. And before all of that wisdom existed and and so i think what he does is he doesn't say that god used science in creation but science is a way of knowing what god has done god established principles at least during creation and and what followed so that we could know through lessons like he's been doing for the past 20 some odd lessons here um that the science and the that science and the Bible support one another. They are not in opposition. They they not only support one another in what we can see. He has contended before. He didn't say today, but he's contended before. They have to support one another. The God who created this world is also the God who inspired Scripture. And for those two to be in opposition, as we said a while ago, creates that that distinction and that switch in our heads that will not uh, allow us to hold two opposing beliefs at the same time and believe both of them strongly. So his effort in all of these lessons has been to unify those two and to demonstrate what many feel um, is not the case that science does support the Bible and the Bible does support science. I'm still caught up on the Bara versus Asa thing. <laughs> I need a Hebrew scholar to help me. Yeah, uh, that one was a new one to me, first time I heard it. And uh, as I say, later on, he's, and he says when he talks about evolution, um, some, a couple of series on evolution, he will re revisit these two. And uh, like I say, he has a very unique approach that I had never considered before. Um, I don't know that um, I would uh, buy it 100%, but I don't know that I can discount it based on the argument that he makes and the difference between these two words. And he will go down uh, verse by verse in Genesis, that, that first chapter there, um, and talk about um, how these two words uh, are used and what that means for our understanding of that uh, of that process. He talked about um, intelligence. Um, been doing some study uh, lately on some things and 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 have come to conclusion that um, God wants us to use our minds. Um, after a lesson like this and after some of the ones coming up, our, our head is going to hurt. Um, 
But that's that's the way that we learn. That's the way that we broaden our perspectives. That's the way we we encounter new ideas. And uh, for anyone to say, I know everything there is and, and understand everything there is in the Bible is is facetious. You haven't read the Bible yet. <laughs> you, haven't, you haven't read it in 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 total. So, uh, you know, for us to close our minds to uh, new ways of looking at things um, is is uh, certainly, I'd say, inadvisable. I won't say that it's foolish or, or uh, anything like that. It's just inadvisable. God has created us um, with intelligence. He created us in his own image. At least part of that is the spiritual side of us that uh, our soul, um, the aspect of every human being that has an innate desire, and we have seen this throughout history and across all cultures, to revere, to acknowledge that there is something higher than himself or herself, that mankind um, doesn't automatically thinks, think he is the be-all and the end-all. He comes to that conclusion uh, through uh, his experiences in life, but there is something within each of us that helps us identify with and revere um, a creator, a supreme being, something higher than ourselves. The Bible tells us, uh, for thus of those of us who believe, what that is. And in having this intelligence and having this intellect, he put into mankind uh, things that he didn't put into the rest of the animals. We can think, we can reason, we can create, uh, we can have emotions, we can be moved by music and art and things uh, of, of that nature. Um, we are very different from the animals. We have been called, I don't think in a biblical term, the crown of the creation. We are that which was created after everything else had been created. We are special. You can't read the scriptures and not think we are special as God's creation. We are so special that he did what he did for us in sending his son to this earth. And for him to live and suffer and die in the way that he did. He thinks that much of us. He wants us to love him as much as he loves us. That can never be. But he wants us to return that love. So for us to come into a study of the Bible and shut off our intellect is inconsistent with why God created us in the first place. So as we go through these lessons, um, as I said, he is going to push us a little bit. He's going to test us a little bit. He is going to introduce some ideas, as he did today, that are new to us. Some of them deal with Hebrew words and, and not being a Hebrew scholar, as, as Chris says, uh, we're not, we were not aware. I was not aware that those are two different words and words have meaning. There are reasons why God uses two different words there. 
or it was accident. <laughs> and I don't think God does anything by accident. So it's up to us to explore that. And the good thing is we have uh, Clayton who will will walk us through some of those things. It will still it will still uh, test us. You know, it's interesting that uh, in Genesis 1 and 2, he flip-flops between uh, using Elohim and Yavif, too. Uh, that, uh, I thought about that before, but I don't know why he does that either. Yeah. But uh, he flip-flops back and forth. I'm sure there's a reason, but why that is. Yeah. In the, be- in the beginning, God is Elohim. Mm. All right? I think it's chapter 1 is all Elohim. Yeah. And chapter 2 is all Yavif. Well, and just in the very next verse, though, he says the Spirit of God. Right. And if that's not God the Father, that is the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And it appears, what I've read, that's the Holy Spirit yeah. acting, moved upon the face of the waters and mm-hmm. so forth. So uh, you have those two uh, involved. In uh, chapter two, let us make man in our own image. Now, we we talk about the uh, the collective we sometimes. If I say something about uh, that that I believe, I might even say, well, we believe, mm-hmm. you know, and and it's that that's it's that collective the we, royal we, the royal <laughs> we, it's that collective we. But God uses us plural for a purpose. It's he's not artificially dragging in other people. He is saying, let us make man in our own image. And if you have never encountered the notion that uh, Jesus was involved in the creation. It's all over the New Testament. I think it's John 12 where he claims that he was part of like it was his voice. I said, let there be light, let them, you know. Nothing came into being Mm -hmm. that came into being, but by him. That's John 1. Um, There are at least, mm, I want to say, four or five or six verses in in the New Testament that testify that Jesus not only was present, that Elohim part, which is plural for God, it probably would be better to say Godhead, in that case, the Trinity, whatever you, uh, however you want to refer to it, but that Jesus was active. And it could be that God turned that aspect of his earliest work entirely over to Jesus. Jesus, and that's why Jesus is in all and of all and over all, because he was the author, not only of that creation, but the eternal salvation that we um, have as an opportunity uh, if we will just avail ourselves of the truth that's presented to us. It'd be a fun if you're into word studies. That'd be a fun place to to really dig in there. Look for Bara and Asa, as well as Elohim and Yahweh in Genesis one and two. And just kind of underline in your text where those occur. But then do those cross references like Rick's talking about from John 1, 1 through 4, where it talks about Jesus in, yeah. in him was, you know, he created everything. And I think the other passage is in John 12. Yeah. And I, I know there are at least two or three others uh, yeah. that I cannot call 
to mind at this moment. But if you if you just Google that, Jesus, part of the creation, Bible verse or verses, and you will come up uh, with several uh, articles that that will provide you those those details. Um, so so as I don't have a whole lot more to say about what what he, he what he said today. Um, I kind of liked his approach of of using Proverbs eight and establishing that wisdom was in existence before. And obviously, if God was in existence before, then obviously wisdom was that wisdom implies intelligence and that intelligence implies through some of the words he used design and structure. And we've talked about uh, Clayton has talked about just the the phenomenal world that we live in. The more we learn about it, the more we realize we don't know that much about it in detail. Um, we know an awful lot, but there's an awful lot that we don't know. And um, it's just phenomenal how how God has created a world for us to live in that is so perfect, is so livable, is so adapted to uh, our needs as human beings. Uh, he explained about the dust and the clouds and the, and the rain and the particles and and all of this information that unless you are a scientist or have studied those things, you take for granted. We take so much for granted every day uh, that we rise and get out of our bed. Um, if we knew more, I think we would be more observant and we would be more, well, we'll just call it religious. <laughs> we, would, we would be more, we would be more holy. Because if we truly believe that God created this world, you cannot rise every morning or go to bed every night and not think about that and think about what, you know, people said, the apostles said about Jesus, what kind of man is this? You know, that he can walk on water. And they'd seen him do other miracles as well. But I think one of their responses was, what manner of man is this? What manner of God? What manner of being? What manner of creator um, is, is God that he can create a world such as this? You have anything else did you want to say? No, I think that's it. Okay. I think we're going to end a little early uh, today. Uh, we got about five uh, to eight more minutes, but there's no reason to sit here and um, dribble, <laughs> as we say. So we're just going to go ahead and end. We hope that our technology, and, and it's amazing for me, I'm, I'm sitting here in awe of Chris <laughs> as he's sitting there playing with his uh, software and going back and forth to the screens and we're testing out microphones and, and I'm thinking, I thought I knew uh, technology, but... <laughs> But Chris, uh, Chris has done a good job, and, and we hope that we have worked out uh, any problems uh, that we have. Um, and if this works, let us know. Um, if, if this worked better for you or if it worked just as well as the other, um, shoot us a, an, a little uh, message and uh, let us know. Let us know how it went. Give us feedback. See you guys. See you. Bye-bye. <laughs>